Today's episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by World Central Kitchen. Their relief team is working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support. They're now serving tens of thousands of meals daily in some of our biggest cities like New York and L.A., and they're launching initiatives across America to deliver fresh, hot meals to hospitals and clinics, fighting on the front lines while keeping local restaurants in business as well. You can directly help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us, and you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Please go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate. We're trying to raise $250,000. And if you have the means, it's an unbelievably great and useful cause that helps our hospital heroes, emergency workers, and local restaurants. Please, give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen, and it's a charitable donation. Once again, that is theringer.com slash WCK. Welcome to the Danacy Football Podcast on the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Kelly. Danny Heifetz is out this week. I didn't scream quite as loud as him, uh, but that means it's just me and Craig Horlbeck today. What's on your mind, Craig? Oh my God, my ears didn't blow out. <laughs> what a nice change of pace. Danny Heifetz is on a well-deserved vacation, yeah. so it's just the two of us today. I know, so we're going to talk about some off-season risers. Last week, we talked about the off-season fallers uh try to keep a little more positive this week and talk about the guys that we're probably going to be targeting in drafts and looking really forward to kind of like how they ascend in fantasy football this year so uh yeah should we jump right into it or do you uh, have anything else to add yeah this is good we're gonna do a optimistic view because you know <laughs> times are tough news is just getting worse so let's do some optimistic viewpoints here let's talk about the guys who are getting better i feel like now People are going to be working from home for so long. Is this going to be the smartest fantasy audience that there's ever been heading into a season? <laughs> People are going to be incredibly informed. I've I've actually myself listened to so many more podcasts than I normally do just because I go for a really, really long walk with my kid every single day. That's nice. <laughs> so it's like I, I don't normally have a commute because I work from home. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of used to that. But yeah, it's... And your kid can't talk, which is kind of nice because... <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the, uh, people who have children who are just like always talking to them. I feel like they can't really lock in on a podcast. But like, <laughs> what's Calvin going to do? Yeah, exactly. He just kind of babbles. And I just say, yep, yep, yep. Um, anyhow. But yeah, let's get going. Let's just get right into it. Um, starting with quarterbacks. Um, I think kind of the big obvious winner of this offseason so far has been Tom Brady, who went. And, and that's kind of it. it it's weird to say that because obviously, you know, he had so much success with the Patriots, so much success with Bill Belichick, but I'm talking about fantasy here. And Brady is going from what was one of, maybe like a bottom five unit in terms of the overall offensive talent. Like his best weapon was a 32 year old slot receiver, Julian Edelman. Um, and now you're going to a team and offense with what is maybe the best wide receiver duo on the game in Chris uh, Godwin and Mike Evans. Then you also get Gronkowski back, which is, just kind of an unreal dream scenario for Tom Brady. They're, they upgraded their offensive line a little bit in the draft, you know, getting Tristan Wirfs in the first round. So, like, all things are kind of stacking up for Tom Brady right now. 
So yeah, I think he he is kind of like the clear leader of the the in the clubhouse for for the top risers of quarterbacks. Yeah, he's definitely had a pretty good offseason from a fantasy perspective. What's funny is so last year he finished as the QB twelve, and this year Fantasy Pros has him ranked right now as the QB twelve, which is kind of bizarre considering yeah. he's had such a change of teammates. Do you do you think he could go higher than that? I mean, I guess if you if you really look at kind of the list, it, it's it's going to be hard to sort of break into the top tier of the quarterback scenario. Maybe the biggest worry this season would be, and this is a huge worry for for every player kind of having new teammates, is just the lack of time to build chemistry. Yeah, because of I don't know all of the ambiguity with the off season. So I guess from that perspective, you could be a little bit worried that maybe there will just kind of be a lack of connection for the first half of the season or something like that. I don't really know. Brady seems like a he's kind of settled into this like low QB1. You take him late and he's just going to be steady and he's not going to have huge days and he might not have terrible days, especially in this offense. Yeah. Um, it's a weird spot for Tom Brady to be in now because of what he's always been. So I'm going to read off. I'm going to read off a few of these quarterbacks and you tell me if you think you tell me the guys that you think are going to fall out of this group. So Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Dak Prescott right now are kind of like the top tier. You could maybe add Kyler Murray in there. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz are kind of the guys right now that Fantasy Pros has ranked higher than him. I could see a few of those guys falling out of that that sort Definitely. of those, those top few tiers. Whether it's Drew Brees because they just don't pass the ball quite as much. You know, they, they rely more on the run run game a little bit more this year. Um, I could see Aaron Rodgers falling a little bit as well. Yeah, I mean, and even Wentz, you know, if people are kind of nervous about his injury history and with the Jalen Hurts pick, no one really knows. And then Matt Ryan is kind of in this no man's land every year where I feel like no one really knows what to do with him. Well, the (laughs) biggest thing I noticed, the first seven running uh, quarterbacks, they all use their feet. Yeah. And cheat code. Yeah, and the next five don't. And so I think of those remaining five, Breeze, Matt Ryan, Rodgers, Wentz, and Brady, I think Brady could usurp all of them and be the number eight guy. I do, but I do think I would rather have any of those running quarterbacks, even probably Josh Allen, than Tom oh, yeah. Brady. Oh, yeah. Easily, easily. Um, I still think they're going to run, you know, a. it's probably going to be kind of a similar thing that, that happened with the Patriots last year where the Buccaneers can certainly rely on a good defense. Their defense was good last year. It was very, very underratedly good. Um, I don't think they're necessarily going to have to be trying to play like the type of games they're playing with Jameis Winston, where it's, you know, come from behind. They're always having to deal with these turnovers. Tom Brady is amazing at taking care of the football. So I could see like the game scripts for the Buccaneers being an issue where they're kind of just slowing things down, you know, trying to control the game, letting their defense do the, do their work and then not turn the ball over. So that is one kind of factor that you have to worry about a little bit with Brady, but 100%. 100%. And if I put my Danny Heifetz transition hat on, <laughs> one quarterback who will have the opposite effect, who will have no defense behind him, is Kyler Murray, who is another huge riser of the offseason with yeah. the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins and just another year under his belt with Cliff Kingsbury. Yep. Yeah. I think so. You know, if you if you go back, transport yourself to this time last season, remember how we were talking about Lamar Jackson as a, I guess, like, long shot or dark horse guy that could potentially end up being the MVP. I'm not saying that Kyler Murray is going to be the MVP, but I could see him taking a massive year to jump just because, you know, another year of experience in the scheme, an off season, which, you know, obviously the off season is, is very affected by the coronavirus thing. And, and that's a factor, but another full off season of learning the intricacies of the playbook, getting on the same page, 
Um, you know, as Cliff Kingsbury, obviously they've they've upgraded their offensive weapons. They've got some guys, Andy Isabella, you know, potentially Hakeem Butler, a couple other guys in this offense that could take a leap in year two. And, you know, like you mentioned just just before, like he has the running ability that makes him so, so interesting, so, so dangerous, you know, as as a fantasy guy. I don't think he's not going to go as late as, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson was going last year. People, I think, are already kind of on this and and know that he's kind of in that elite tier of, of fantasy quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, he's right now he's the fantasy pros QB four. So people kind of know <laughs> that the jig he, is up. Yeah, he's he's. I remember last year, like you could get Lamar Jackson in the tenth round. So, um, yeah, I think he's he is the the one guy that I think in this group that has that sort of dark horse like league winner type appeal. Yeah, and I, I people had talked about his rushing and how he he was such an underrated rusher last year, and the way they use him from a rushing perspective is kind of different than other quarterbacks and. Does his size worry you? Does getting injured worry you? Because he's so small. Like, you got Dak's a huge guy. Patrick Holmes is huge. Lamar's just kind of like a freak of nature. He's a whole different... He can't yeah. even get tackled, so I don't know if he can get hurt. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, what's your biggest worry with Kyler, if there's any? I don't I don't really worry too much about that because he he's kind of compactly built. Like, he he's thickly built, like, in the sort of... He's very short, obviously, but he's not skinny. He's not frail, I don't think. And... You know, there's been studies, I don't have the study in front of me, but there's been studies done where, you know, quarterbacks are more likely to get hurt scrambling and kind of like trying to work around the pocket than they are on design runs. Because on design runs, you know, you know, generally speaking, where the tackler is going to come from when when you're running. You know what I mean? Like, you you know exactly where your blockers are supposed to be. You know kind of how the the offensive scheme is set up when you when you're in the pocket or when you're scrambling you get blindsided a little too often and that can yeah, kind of you're improvising yeah so that can kind of lead to injuries i think so you know it's all statistics it's all chance and and you never can really say never when when it comes to quarterback injuries but i think you know overall his game you know lends to his his body type and his ability to slide and all those things i think kind of lent him having a good long career so i'm super bullish on murray going into this season and in in dynasty going forward okay here's my last question for you about kyler is there a chance that everyone is more excited about everything about kyler except his actual skills <laughs> That it, it looks, it's like window dressing almost. Like everything sounds and looks so good, but it's like his numbers last year were fine. Yeah. It's like, is there a chance that he just doesn't take a gigantic leap and he's just like, it's the same as last year? I mean, yeah, sure. There's always that chance. I mean, we, I remember if you go back to last year again, like remember how excited we were about Baker Mayfield and, mm. you know, how he was going to make this massive jump. He was really efficient as a rookie, insanely efficient at Oklahoma. You know, if you look at Kyler Murray's rookie year, the thing that makes me encouraged about what he did as a rookie was incredibly efficient, incredibly accurate, throwing the ball down the field. Um, you know, fitting the ball into really tight windows was aggressive when he needed to be. Um, for the most part, he took pretty good care of the ball. All those things, I think, should translate going forward. Um, and he had like an like a ridiculously low touchdown rate. Yeah, so he's he's due. He, yeah, he's he's due for positive regression in that area. I think it was like three point seven percent touchdown rate, which is super low. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, yeah, like there's always the, the risk that you could have a sophomore slump. There's a reason that that's a, a term that people use, um, because it's pretty common and, and, and like, look, NFL defenses are going to adapt too. like NFL defenses don't aren't static. 
and their game plans are going to change and reflect, and that's going to be reflected in, in his stats potentially. But, you know, overall, I think the sum of all the things like him, his ability to know offense better, his ability to develop, his ability to, um, you know, just know to, instead of like just being overwhelmed with everything around him, like the game, like, you know, the quote slows down for you as you play, as you get better at, you know, knowing exactly where all your, your receivers are going to be, where all the pieces on the board are going to be. I think those are a lot of the reasons that you can expect him to go forward next year. And then the other thing is just his weapons are better. Like DeAndre Hopkins is in this offense now. So, um, and you get a full season potentially of Kenyon Drake, who proved to be very, very good in that offense and that, in that run game. So, um, yeah, overall, I think all the pieces kind of like add up, and, and I think that will be enough to get him, you know, over the hump. Uh, another big winner of the offseason. Uh, his team seems to like him and care about him very much. Drew Locke. Yeah. Who, it was Christmas for him this entire offseason. <laughs> yeah, you, you say that his team really likes him. I think that's definitely part of it, but also I think they're trying to make it as easy as possible on him and give him a situation where. You know, he's not asked to carry the team. He's not asked to go hero ball and and have to do too much. Like he can, in theory, with this group of, of skill position players, like, so to back up, they, ha- they got Melvin Gordon in free agency. They already had Cortland Sutton, who was an ascending superstar in the league. Like he looked really good last year, kind of came, like broke out, looks like a, a super superstar, or a future superstar. Uh, Jerry Judy, they grabbed in the first round, KJ Hamlin in the second round. To go with Noah Fant, the tight end from the first round last year, you know, really, really fast, athletic, uh, versatile tight end. They also grabbed a 4-4 guy in Albert O, um, you know, in the mid-rounds, his former teammate at Missouri. So, you know, he they've they've put so many weapons around him where, you know, in theory, he can just be like a point guard. He won't have to be, you know, the Michael Jordan of this team and try and carry them and do all that stuff. He can just distribute the football to these stars and, and kind of go from there. And that will give them the opportunity to know whether he's kind of the guy. Like if, if he fails with this skill group, then yeah, they, it, it won't be for lack of the team putting talent around him. <laughs> right, and we'll know if Drew Locke sucks after this year. Yeah, it's so frustrating watching, you know, rookies and, and second and third year guys try and like carry these really crappy offenses like it it just doesn't give you a a great picture of who this player is and who they could be um you know in rare situations guys rise above and and just are that great but like it's just very very difficult for a lot of these young guys yeah i'm sure sam donald's pissed when he looks at denver (laughs) yeah for real (laughs) are you fucking kidding me that is that's like the perfect analogy because yeah i mean I, on one hand, like I kind of do like what the Jets have done this offseason. Like I like Mackay Beckton at left tackle. I like, you know, we like Brashad Perryman on this podcast. Like, you know, there's there's certain things to like. Denzel but, Mims is like kind of a fun pick, I guess. But yeah. like in general, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, I think, was second on their team in catches and Jamison Crowder was first last year. And Yeah. I mean, and it's like you look at that team, it's like it's still not very good. Like if anything, there was a little bit like of a horizontal move. At least they made steps. <laughs> at least they made steps to address that. But at the same time, they let Robbie Anderson go, who is like one of his favorite. Yeah, he was like the one guy who could make a big play. <laughs> so anyways, it's yeah, that's a perfect example. Like the, this is the Broncos are doing what you should do with with a rookie or a, a first contract quarterback. And you know the the Jets are the on the other hand. Um, so yeah. So are you willing to gamble with Locke as a late round quarterback on your fantasy team? Like, would you yeah. draft him as your starter just to have and, and maybe like get a steal in? You know, I think you can. I think you could. I think it, it, it's a it's a calculated risk. I think you could draft him late and, and hope that you can 
that he'll turn into a higher level, higher level starter, kind of like a QB two. I don't think he has. I don't necessarily see him as like a QB one this year. And, Are you and, a two QB drafter? Like, if you're in a one quarterback league, do you draft two? It just kind of depends on like how everything goes, but typically no, because I'm typically yeah. usually pretty comfortable streaming. Like, I, I don't yeah. mind. I don't mind streaming quarterbacks usually in one quarterback league. So. I think, yeah, spend your last pick on Drew Locke or whatever whatever round you're going to get him in and see how it goes. And if not, then you can, you know, pick up another guy on on, a, on the waivers and, and you could probably be fine with that. So, um, yeah. And there's a lot of competent QBs out there. I mean, he, he, Fantasy Pros has Locke as the 23rd quarterback. And it, I mean, it's understandable. I mean, Rivers and Garoppolo are the two ahead of him. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> like I'd probably rather have Garoppolo and Rivers instead of him. But yeah. it just goes to show how many quarterbacks. That's why you probably should do two quarterback leagues because you can you can start so many. Um, another guy, maybe one that you can't start, is Derek Carr. Yeah. So I, I'd say like both Locke and Carr, we'd put who's them... The, in, who's the quarterback 27 this yeah. year for Fantasy Pros? I would say we put them on this list because I would say, at least for me, before this offseason, I'm not thinking about these guys really at all in Fantasy. And now they're now I feel like they've gotten the weapons around them to like actually help like I would actually consider you know drafting these guys in the late rounds um, in a redraft league and certainly it makes them more interesting in dynasty leagues um, you know with Carr the Raiders went out and did exactly kind of what the Broncos are doing I love it by the way this is like such an arms race in the AFC West everyone's trying to keep up with the Chiefs like obviously there's no way in hell keep like, up in air quotes <laughs> like, yeah there's no way in hell they're going to kind of match what Mahomes can do in that offense but I mean, at least they're trying. At least, you know, they, they at least they all are, are acknowledging, they're seemingly acknowledging that, you know, you're going to have to put up points to, you know, contend in this division over the next 10 years plus. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, going back to the Raiders, they added uh, Henry Ruggs in the first round. He was the first receiver taken. So they had their, their pick of the litter and they think that Ruggs is the best guy. Um, I think that's very interesting. And I can't kind of wait to see how his career turns out because he's a very polarizing figure in fantasy football because of his, you know, his low volume um, scares a lot of people off. But obviously, he's a talented guy, super fast, like touchdown scoring machine. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how he turns out. Um, then they double dipped in the third round. They grabbed Lynn Bowden, who they designated as a running back. Um, I think he'll be kind of a do-it-all playmaker in the in the mold of like early career Randall Cobb, where you can line him up in the backfield as a running back if you want. He can run routes out of the slot. That's what he was really in college, a slot receiver. And he also got time at quarterback because they had an injury at the quarterback position. So then he ended up being kind of like a wildcat quarterback. He led the SEC in rushing, you know, as a quarterback. So the dude is is electric with the ball in his hands. I'm excited to see how they get him involved. I don't know if necessarily he's going to be a big factor in year one, but like down the line, I think he'll be a, a fun one to watch. They also added Brian Edwards in the, in the third round, one pick later. I think he has a lot of upside going forward, but... Um, overall, I mean, Derek Carr's weaponry just got so much better. You know, last year it was like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. And now you add in, you know, you add in um, Ruggs, obviously, I think who who should be a starter right away. And then, you know, Lynn Bowden, they also added Nelson Aguilar in the free agency. You know, Aguilar is not anything to write home about, but he's an experienced, you know, former first rounder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes that, that, pass uh, catching core so much more dynamic than the players that they added. So we'll see, you know, I think this is the same kind of litmus test as, as we're talking about with Drew Locke. Like if Carr can't 
pass deep and finally start to unlock that part of his game with Henry Ruggs in the offense. Like maybe that is what the Raiders need to know. Like that's the information they need to know um, to either move on from him or, or kind of like lock him in long term. Yeah. Who's more likely to like bust into the top 12? Is it Locke or is it Carr this year, you think? I would I would probably just lean Carr because he's done it longer. Like he's just got more experience. But I mean, you know, I, I would say neither of these guys are very likely to. I'd say, if anything, I would say which guy is more likely to kind of turn into a high-end uh, quarterback too? You know, like in yeah. that 15 to 17 range or 15, 16 range or whatever. Um, I do think Carr, if he can kind of unlock that that part of his game, has a better chance. But I, I like Locke's um, overall skill position group a little bit better. Should we get to Minshew Mania, our last quarterback who had a good offseason? Yeah, so another same same category, I would say, like not necessarily a high pick, but he's on the fantasy radar now, especially in two quarterback leagues, because now he is he's frisky. A, yeah, exactly. Like he like there was a stretch there during the during the like when he first became the starter in Jacksonville over his first six or seven or whatever it was. Starts. People were talking. He was a QB one in that stretch. I mean, is he, he the he, Jeremy Lin of quarterbacks? <laughs> he might be because. You know, he definitely faded. He faded towards the second half of the year. And then there was a lot of question marks whether he was even going to be the starter coming into And the then season. like three years from now, he'll be in the XFL. We'll be like, man, <laughs> that was a crazy year, 2019. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. Um, but yeah, I mean, point is, like bottom line, they traded Foles away. Um, and that makes him ostensibly the, the surefire starter this season. Like they, they appear to be building around him in the same way these other teams are. They added LaVisca Chenault in the second round, which I think is really fun. Um, Jake Gruden's the play caller there now. So, you know, I guess the car, the, the Derek Carr, Gardner Minshew parallels are interesting because you got the Gruden brothers, you know, coaches, mm-hmm. kind of similar offenses and all that. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see. And, you know, like, I mean, his weapons are. Uh, ostensibly the same right i mean he's got fournette he's got dj shark they, they brought in tyler eifert i don't know if that does anything for you oh and yeah they have, oh it, it definitely <laughs> oh that's hey red zone <laughs> animal and then they got chris conley so it's like you know i don't know it's like i, I think gardner Minshew might be like a viable bi-week qb in in one quarterback leagues yeah i would say that uh, he's a streamer option for sure in two quarterback leagues i think you know, he he's a hell of a lot more interesting than he was kind of before this. I saw him in, in a couple two quarterback leagues. I've seen him being traded for relative peanuts. And now he's like this like at least for now in the short term, surefire starter who has he has sneaky upside. Like he was I, I say it again, he was very interesting to me early on in his first few games. Like he just looked really, really dynamic. You're in he, on Minshew. I, I wrote about him like midway through last season because like what he was doing in his first, I think it was like five or six starts, whatever. It was like very, very impressive. Uh, he did fade towards the second half of the season and, and maybe that was a, it's going to be a cold take exposed or whatever at some point. But, but yeah, I think he, you know, he, he at least is exciting and, and he's more exciting than I'd ever would have been about like, you know, Bortles or whatever. But yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, He's a riser. It's all relative, but he's a riser in that sense. All right. Should we get to wide receivers? Yeah, let's do it. First up, you know, he's one of the top risers of, of any players, Devontae Adams with the Packers. You know, Which just is because- weird because normally when you think riser, you think something happened, but he's actually a riser because quite the opposite. Nothing happened. He is pretty <laughs> right. much the exact same team. They added no one. They just lost Geronimo Allison. Yep. 
I mean, I think, yeah, you could say Geronimo Allison and Devin Funches kind of like cance- cancel each other out. Oh, that's right. Devin Funches, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, De- I feel like Devontae Adams will go down as one of the more underrated, like high-end wide receivers in the game, especially from a fantasy perspective. I don't think anybody thinks about him. Yeah, I think I think that's right on. And um, I've already seen it, you know, like Evan Silva, the guys that established the run, I think are going to have him ranked really, really highly. Um, I believe I saw uh, Rich Reiber at uh, Sharp Football Analysis has him as his wide receiver one at, at this point. So, like, Adams has some very sneaky, like, Michael Thomas vibes to him this season where he's going to get a million targets in that offense. He's going to be the only guy that Aaron Rodgers trusts. I know Aaron Rodgers trusts Alan Lazard a little bit. There's, like, the Thanksgiving narrative that they spent Thanksgiving together or whatever. But, like, Devontae oh, Adams Interesting. <laughs> Devontae Adams is... You know, I think he has a chance to be one of the the leaders and targets this season, and and if he can stay healthy. Last year, you remember he he wasn't healthy the whole season, but he has a you know he has the potential to just go off. So Adams missed four games last year, um, but on a per game average, he was the wide receiver six in PPR from week ten on. So that was seven games. He averaged nineteen point eight PPR points per game. That is second only to Michael Thomas. So his upside is you know wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Yeah, I think he's the only wide receiver that you can actually make a debate to be drafted over Michael Thomas this year. Exactly, exactly. He has a clear path to massive volume. That's huge. You know, he's he's the clear-cut number one guy. You know, you could make the argument that Aaron Rodgers and company are going to, like we were talking about with Kyler Murray, going to be a little bit more comfortable in this offense, the LeFleur offense. He, you know, there's even people thinking like the Packers ignoring him essentially in this draft. Is gonna piss him off and make him go off, kind of like this Michael Jordan. You watching? Uh, are you watching mm-hmm. Last Dance? Yeah, just yeah. like the disrespect. You know, is is gonna make him go off or whatever. Yeah, but. he needs a narrative every year to kind of get him motivated. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. But I'm definitely gonna be trying to get as much uh, Devonte Adams as I can this year, just because I think he has a clear path to to massive, massive production. All right. So the next guy that uh, had a great off season was was Allen Robinson, and again. It's pretty much just because he lost his quarterback. Now, you noted here, Allen Robinson's quarterbacks to date are Chad Henney, Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, Mike Glennon, and Chase Daniel. And and pretty much throughout his entire career, Allen Robinson has been awesome. Yeah. He was a wide receiver, low-end wide receiver one last year, I believe. He was the wide receiver 11 and half PPR. Yeah. He caught 98 passes last year. And that's with... Mitch Trubisky and Chase Daniel. <laughs> I I was looking at at the rankings and stuff for this year. I have no idea why AJ Brown, Odell Beckham, and Juju are listed ahead of him in people's early rankings. I think he's the most underrated wide receiver one, and you can get him at a huge discount. Yep. And if you wanted yep. to like get a running back or two to start your draft, I think Allen Robinson is the perfect wide receiver one to have on your roster that no one will really suspect. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. He's also not even old. I think he's like 27 years old. Like he's still, I think he is too. He's still absolutely in his prime. Um, he's 26. He'll turn 27 before the season starts. But yeah, I mean, he is, he's got to be up there with the most underrated players in the entire NFL. Just people, and it's absolutely because of who he's played with. I mean, we just talked about it. He's He's been on these bad offenses. He's been with these, you know, middling to bad quarterbacks his whole career. I don't know if necessarily I would list Nick Foles as like a star quarterback, obviously. But he's but probably number one out of all those people we just named. To me, he's a clear upgrade over 
uh, Trubisky, number one, but like any of those other guys, you know, his just his ability to pull the trigger, his ability to tag deep. I just really hope that that Foles not only wins the job, but kind of like can stay healthy and, and hold on to it. And that that offense can take a jump this year because there's just a lot of players in that offense I like. Allen Robinson, you know, Anthony Miller, um, you know, David Montgomery, I was uh, had really high hopes for last year. It just didn't pan out at all. So I just really hope it is a function of like Trubisky just holding that offense back. And we can kind of see like really good production out of all these guys in the Bears offense next year. Yeah, and I think people really, like a lot of fantasy writers particularly, like when talking about projections, they love like youth and they love the unknown. Like A.J. Brown, he's young and like, oh my God, what could he do next year? Like it could be insane. His ceiling is, and then even guys like Juju, it's like, oh, you know, he had a down year last year. He was so good the year before that, like Ben's coming back. Odell Beckham, like his talent is so, who knows what he could do, but it's like Allen Robinson is just like year in, year out, just cranking yeah. away great seasons beside the year he tore his ACL. Right. And I bet you, I'm, I would draft him over all three of those guys. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's I don't even think that's spicy. I just like that a lot. Yeah, minimum um, spice. It's just like a little cayenne <laughs> sprinkle on top. So yeah, let's talk about Adam Thielen of the Vikings because I think he's another riser you know, in this offseason, obviously the the Vikings traded away Stefan Diggs. That makes Thielen the clear cut number one. They did they did draft Justin Jefferson in the first round, but I don't think you can expect Justin Jefferson to come in and necessarily command the type of you know I mean he might get a good amount of volume, but I don't think he'll command the type of you know targets or um just attention that, that Stefan Diggs did from Kirk Cousins, if you, do you remember last year, like the squeaky wheel narrative where mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs was constantly like bitching about not getting the ball and all that? Like, I think that's legit. Like, I don't, you don't, I don't see Jefferson doing that with, with uh, Cousins next year. And so, um, I think Thielen is the clear cut number one in that offense. He's going to get a ton of, he's going to get a ton of volume. Um, I actually saw this really interesting stat per NFL Network's Michael Florio, and that is not the other Mike Florio from 2018. Through week six last year, when he hurt his hamstring, Thielen averaged 18.5 fantasy points per game. That would have made him the wide, rece- the wide receiver seven over the last two seasons, behind only Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, Devontae Adams, Hopkins, Jones, and Hill, Tyreek Hill. So that's elite, elite company to be in. Well, I mean, you said like that would have made him the wide receiver seven in the last two seasons. He was the wide receiver seven in 2018. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just right there, plain and simple, like on paper. I don't know. And they have him, Fantasy Pros has Adam Thielen as the wide receiver 15. I feel like the the lesson I'm learning just from from doing this episode with you is that I think I like these like late wide receiver one guys, like these like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 guys a lot more. And I think they have like 92% of the same upside as as the other guys that you're going to have to spend a first round pick on. Yeah, Thielen's an interesting case, I think, because... You know, he's a little bit older. There's like people hold on to the undrafted thing, I think, too. Like with players, like he was an undrafted, like his pedigree wasn't strong. And so, yeah, he'll be 30 when the season starts. Yeah. So he's getting up there, but I mean, he's still an elite route runner. He's still really, really good at the catch point, like late separator. I just think he's going to, he's going to inherit a good chunk of Diggs's volume from last year and just absolutely go off. And it's going to be t- like in PPR, especially, he's going to get just an insane amount of targets. So yeah. And there's something to be said with like chemistry. Like he has chemistry with Kirk and that's huge, especially this year. Yeah. And, and you know, especially this year, like you said, with the, the COVID thing, like that just really puts Justin Jefferson kind of at a disadvantage going into next year where, you know, he's not going to have that, that the reps with, with uh, 
with Cousins. So yeah, I think it, you know, Thielen's another guy. He's just, I'm absolutely going to be targeting this dude. Yeah, it's like guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like they are both rated ahead of Adam Thielen. And it's like they're going to have no offseason with their 42 year old quarterback in a, in a brand new scheme, essentially, because of what Tom Brady is capable of. Are we really locked in that they're both going to have better years than Adam Thielen, who's now alone in Minnesota? I don't know. I think there's absolutely a discussion there. I think at, surely when, he, when you're talking about Mike Evans, I'm, I'm less confident about Evans. I'm, I'm a little more, I guess, confident that. Godwin can keep up his volume and his production just because you you know his role as the slot guy in that offense should still be strong and Brady is so good at targeting you know over the middle of the field that mm-hmm. I think Godwin will certainly we'll just make him his super Edelman exactly so I don't you know like I'm I'm certainly more worried about Mike Evans and I I would like we could have that conversation about Thielen over Ed, Evans and I wouldn't oh think we it, will <laughs> I wouldn't think you're crazy um Let's just throw out one more. Mm-hmm. Brashad Perryman of the Jets. Um, obviously, last year, you know, he, he's a former first-round bust, like just did not work out with the Ravens. He was injured for his, like basically his whole first contract and came into Tampa Bay last year and made some really impressive plays. Like He looked exactly like I think what we wanted him to look like you know, on that rookie contract when he was a first-round pick. Another late breakout guy like Devontae Parker. So... He signs with the Jets. I guess my question is, do you see him as a riser, first of all? Well, that's why I, I wrote here, it, it, he's, it's tricky if he's a riser or not, because with a hobbled Evans and Godwin, he really shined. He averaged 100 yards yeah. in a touchdown for the last five games of, his, of the season. But it's like, with Godwin and, and Evans healthy, I would say that he's in a better situation on the Jets but he's also probably not going to have the numbers he had on the Bucks. So, because, I mean, his competition is Crowder, who's a slot receiver, Denzel Mims is a rookie, and Josh, Josh Doxson maybe, maybe sucks, <laughs> and then Le'Veon Bell. So, I don't know if I would consider him a riser. I'll say this. I'd rather have him now than I would if he was still on the Bucks. So yeah, in that, definitely. In, in that sense, I think, maybe we just call him, like, a really interesting late-round flyer. Yeah, like I, his fantasy points will go up, but his efficiency numbers will go down. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's I've said this a couple of times on this podcast. I just generally speaking, like don't trust Adam Gase. And so it makes me nervous. I do. I've been a Sam Darnold fan. Like I, I'm rooting for him and I really want him to take that next step. But uh, it just, man, it just doesn't feel like the Jets are going in the right direction. Even though, you know, I do like a few of the moves they made this year. I think Mims is going to be good, but. I don't know. It's just hard to buy into that Jets offense overall. All right, let's get to running backs. Kenyon Drake is our first guy who had a great offseason because I don't know if you heard, David Johnson is not on the team anymore. Yeah, so Drake is the clear starter, I think, in Arizona, and that's been established. They traded away you know, David Johnson. Um, they did draft a running back, but it wasn't until the seventh round, so I don't think he's a threat in the short term. Drake is playing on a franchise tag, so to me that kind of just says the Cardinals are comfortable like giving him a good workload. They're not trying to like protect him long term. They're not trying to like, you know, keep him healthy or look whatever. Like it I just feel like that's a a sign that a signal that they're willing to ride him this year. That gives him honestly like top 3 top 4 potential, I think in in 2020. So from week 9 on, which is after he was traded to Arizona from the Dolphins, he was the RB4 in PBR. And the RB three in points per game, he played one fewer game than a couple guys, um, so that that just gives him 
the ability to smash this year. The Cardinals run game is based on spacing and tempo and he was a perfect fit for it. Like they were number two, I believe, or number three in, in rushing DVOA last year. They're just really, really efficient on the ground because they spread teams out and they force them to defend the run or to defend the pass. You know, they they spread guys out and they pass deep. So teams aren't aren't really loading the box and like trying to stop this team's run game. And that and that was like perfect for Drake, who is really, really explosive in space. Um, I just think he has huge, huge potential this year. He's gonna be you know, the the type like the Austin Eckler kind of like dark horse to mm. to come out of nowhere. Well, he's not he's not coming out of nowhere, but like to to be that level. Do you think he can compete with the same amount of touches as these elite elite guys? Like is he gonna get the ball as much as McCaffrey and Saquon and Zeke do? Probably not, but they do run a lot of plays. I just uh, you know, I don't think it's really, really difficult to get like the level of volume that those two guys get Zeke and or uh, those three guys get or even just like a Dalvin Cook a Joe Mixon like if Kenyon Drake is going to be in that in that discussion I I feel like he has the opportunity in the or I guess I shouldn't say opportunity he has the talent and it's the right offense but is because of the way they they run their team and run their offense do you think Drake will just like unfortunately be limited to like 15 to 17 touches a game <sighs> that's tough to say but I I think he can handle it I'll put it that way like he looked, he looked really, really good. He ran like. Really, do they really spread hard. the ball around too much for anybody to be like a true elite fantasy player? It's it's possible. So I'm gonna I'll just read off his carries. You know, from week seven on, 15, 10, 16, 13, 11, 22, 24, and twelve. So he's certainly more in like the fifteen. He's in like the Alvin Kamara range, kind of. Yeah, but again, like he's so efficient. The other thing to think about is in week fifteen. He scored four touchdowns. He had 22 carries, 137 yards, four touchdowns. So he got like a huge chunk of production in that one game, which kind of, it can kind of skew, you know, the full season projections. But, but yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, the, if he, if he's in the 15 to 17 carry range, you know, that, that he's not going to have the, the upside of Christian McCaffrey, who's probably going to get, you know, 20, 25 a, a game or whatever. And so, um, it's certainly something to think about, but I don't think he, I don't think anyone's really considering taking him over those guys. So he's at the tenth spot right now in fantasy pros rankings. He's right below Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, and Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry. And if you were drafting, and, and the people right after him are Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. And if you were going to draft kind of in that group of five, it's like if you were going to pick one of them who you think had the best chance to end up in the top five, I would say it's Kenyon Drake or Joe Mixon, probably. Yeah. I think I'd rather have Kenyon Drake over Josh Jacobs because of his receiving ability. Nick Chubb, it's like, we don't know what the Kareem Hunt split's going to be like. Yep. Drake has that sole role just to him, and that's what I think is enticing about him. Yeah. I mean, every every indication we've seen from the Raiders this offseason is that they don't they don't either don't trust Josh Jacobs as a as a pass catcher or just don't want to feature him there, which is weird because he's a good pass catcher. But And now he doesn't have to run on the A's dirt, you know? <laughs> that's a real thing. I know. That's hard. Yeah. So, anyways, that's pretty disappointing, uh, just from Josh Jacobs' perspective. But I know. I, I'm with yeah, you, though. I, you know, I just think if I'm going to buy into a, an offense uh, this year, the Cardinals are definitely one of those teams where I'm just like, I want, I want to board. I want to get as many of these guys as I can because I think they could really just go off. So, yeah. So this next guy, I feel like, is going to be a massive topic in this fantasy offseason. It's David Johnson. We're definitely calling him a riser for 
this season. So David Johnson is is just a really odd case. So he's experienced like one of the starkest falls amongst previous number one overall pick fantasy players in recent memory, which he was. In 2017, he was the consensus number one overall pick because in 2016, he had over 2,000 yards of offense and scored 20 touchdowns, and he was amazing. I mean, he was like by far top two running backs from a talent perspective in the league and like number one from fantasy. In that following year, when he was the number one overall pick, Bruce Arians and David Johnson both discussed that they think he could handle 30 touches and how, you know, he's kind of resetting the market for what running backs could earn. And then he broke his wrist and he pretty much missed the entire year. Yeah, that was like the week one or two, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember my buddy Chris Adam. Brutal. Devastated. It's it's one of those (laughs) brutal. I remember Jamal Charles was a huge one. I think he tore his ACL like week one, one year, but. Yeah, the David Johnson wrist was brutal. And then his next season, he played all 16 games with Josh Rosen and a terrible offensive line in one of the worst teams ever. And he struggled and it was inconsistent. It was like, that was the uh, Mike McCoy offense where, yeah. I believe, wasn't this, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, this is the offense where they just ran him straight up the gut, like <laughs> 79% of his runs or something like that. It was so Yeah, ridiculous. it may have well have been you back there. They just run you right into the, <laughs> the left guard and you butt fumble every time. Yeah. Um, and then last year, Kenyon Drake stole the show and again, he battled injuries. So it's like, I, he is, I, I guess he's a little older. I think he's 28, um, or going yeah. to be 28 for the season, but Lamar Miller is gone. They traded Deandre Hopkins for him. His coach is going to be committed. He might have the best line of his career and the best quarterback of his career. David Johnson, I think is currently listed. Let me look this up here. He is the running back 21 for half PPR and fantasy pros. And he's a great receiver. He cut 80 balls in that 2016 season. Yeah, he's a good receiver. Potentially the biggest steal of the draft is David Johnson as the 21 overall running back. Yeah. this is So I think you're absolutely right, though. Like what you said at the beginning, this is going to be a huge, huge argument, I think, for everyone. I'm already having arguments about it with people. Like, I think he just looked like he was just gone last year at points. You know, there's just no juice no explosion, no change of direction. Um, you know, he's always been very explosive, freakish athlete type player. And, and there was points last year where he just looked done. But that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, full offseason recovering. He was battling all these injuries. Like he's had injuries that have limited his production. And if he's healthy and gets back to kind of like what we thought of David Johnson before, you know, he kind of fell off a cliff. Yeah, he's in a great situation. He's going to get a ton of volume. They spent a lot to get him. That doesn't necessarily mean anything because they also spent a lot to get Duke Johnson and didn't use him. So who knows what they're going to do. But I just think you're right. This is He's going to be one of the more interesting fantasy players because you know if you take him early and then he just flames out, like that really hurts your season. But he also has the potential to be a running back one this season. I mean, easily. I mean, I, I honestly don't even get, maybe I'm way too bullish on him, but like he's next to Mark Ingram, James Conner, Jonathan Taylor. Like I would take him over those three in a heartbeat. <laughs> would you not? I, I mean, don't think John, I would. That's the thing is like. You'd rather have James Conner? Maybe not James Conner. Or even Mark Ingram. There's like nine running backs on the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I'm like, I would fall victim to the, like you were talking about earlier, the, the new shiny new toy. Like I would probably take Jonathan Taylor of that that group. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely like get the argument that you're making and I totally understand where you're coming from. I just think you can't I can't get there's one run in particular, everybody always shares the gif of it where David Johnson just kind of like jogged <laughs> until he got 
tackled. Like, you know, maybe he like look. had a tight hammy. Like we can't just judge somebody off one play. Go watch I his know. 2016 tape. You absolutely cannot judge by one play. And you know, whatever he was following his blocking, there was no blocking and then he got tackled. So whatever, it's not like an indictment on his whole career, but um, <laughs> it's hard to get that out of your mind though at the same time. So it'll be an interesting discussion going forward. Another guy who's a hot topic is Todd Gurley's on the Falcons. This is the same this is a very similar category. And yeah. to be clear, like these last two, I think we're both considering them risers, not necessarily based on their ADP last year, but based on where people saw them when, you know, a the lot of people I were like, yeah, year. like a lot of people were like, David Johnson is toast. And now yes. he has a chance to be a workhorse back again. And then the same thing when Gurley was released by the Rams, people were like, you know, is he just done now? But now he falls into a situation where he, like like Johnson, he could be getting massive, massive volume. And we always want to chase volume in fantasy. That's like number one rule. And no matter what you think of Gurley, no matter whether, no matter how worried you are about his knee, he's walking into a situation where he's going to get good volume in a good offense. Over the last three years, Falcons running backs have had almost 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns a season and 500 yards to the air. And Gurley's capable of doing all of that. The knee thing is the only thing you really got to worry about. He was the running back 14 last year. I think he had 14 touchdowns last year. Yeah. I think people are now overreacting. We've gotten to the point where we're now overreacting about tendonitis in the knee. He's not 40. (laughs) What do we have him here? He's the running back 16 they have. I think he's right in that David Johnson range where it's like, if you really wanted to gamble this year, you should go back to back third, fourth round. You grab David Johnson and Todd Gurley as your running backs. And you get Devontae Adams and whoever else in the first two rounds. And you could potentially have four number one at their position guys. So, yeah. So, Devontae Freeman last year, he vacates 184 carries and 70 targets in 14 games. That's the big thing to me. When That's that's one thing that really stands out here. Gurley has always made like his hay because he's just an amazing receiver. Like That was what makes him... That was what helped made, make him such an elite fantasy producer for so many years is because he was a huge, huge part of their passing game in addition to getting all those goal line carries. Last year, he only had 49 targets. He fell off the the map as a pass catcher. And Freeman's vacating 70 targets in 14 games. So, you know, there's there's really potential for him to get his career back on track in terms of his fantasy value, get into the passing game, get into the screen game, you know, and, and start to kind of be the girly that we remember. Do you, if you're going to choose between these two, if you have Gurley and Johnson on the board, who are you taking? <laughs> David Johnson. I lean. I think I lean Gurley. It's going to be tough. I think the running back class this year is a really fun one. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. so much confusion. There's been a lot of like change, and Melvin Gordon's on the Broncos, and there's so many rookies who are going to matter this year, and so many guys are getting their own roles, like Miles Sanders. And who are you taking? Okay, so who are you taking? Johnson, Gurley, or Gordon? Oh, Gordon's last. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, it's funny. It's 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 very it's yeah, because all these former elite elite fantasy assets are now on different teams. It's very strange. Yeah, I feel like anybody in like the 10 to 30 range has a really likely chance to finish in like the top seven. Yep. It's like yep. for all we know, Devin Singletary is going to be a top five pick next year because he explodes and no one talked about it. <laughs> You know, I think this is this is the season where, you know, I've talked about this in the past. Like, it's very hard for me to choose players in fantasy drafts where I think they're bad players, even if they're in really good situations. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great that's a great category. 
Yeah. I think they're bad, but they're in a good situation. Like Le'Veon Bell, I think, is at the point in his career where he's just not what he used to be. And it makes me nervous like to choose him because I just like he he just isn't a good fit in in I can't believe how gross Le'Veon Bell got in like a year and a half. Like he was like the sexiest fantasy pick, like <laughs> literally in 2018. Like there is no one cooler to own on your team. And now looking at his name, you're just like, oh, <laughs> you can't give him away. Yeah, you can't give him away. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that's I mean, that's the that's running back cliff. OK, we got one tight end. No, we got two tight ends that we want to talk about. One and a half. Yeah. So the obvious clear speaking, uh, keeping with the Falcons, the obvious Big, big riser in fantasy at the tight end position is Hayden Hurst, who was traded from obscurity with the Ravens as the tight end three on that team. And now he goes now he goes in to Atlanta and plays the Austin Hooper role. So there's like this direct path to him being not just a wide receiver or not just a tight end one, but the tight end one. That's what Austin Hooper was on track to be before he got hurt last year. So, like, just saying they get this like a, a very similar amount of volume. You know, I I I'm not a Hayden Hurst hater. I don't think he's bad. I think he he could be around the same level of effectiveness as Hooper in this offense. Yeah, I guess I was gonna say like, does he fall into your category of he's in a great situation, but you don't think he's that good? But I guess not, right? You I mean, like him. he's a first first round pick. I wouldn't say I like him, but I wouldn't say. I think he's bad. I think he's in that range of of the. We Austin don't really Hooper. know, right? Like, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. How many balls has he caught? Forty in his career. I think it was atrocious when the Ravens ch- chose him in the first round, and everyone yeah. kind of was like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like, he's this twenty-five-year-old rookie or whatever he was, and you know, he he's a former baseball player that decided to play football. You know, he's he's an athletic guy. He, he's he can move, so I think that's important. But he, like like you said, he just falls into a perfect scenario. You know, and that Dirk Cotter offense, which Danny Heifetz, to his credit, like was was touting this before last year when we were talking about Austin Hooper. Like, they've always used a lot of tight end targets in that offense. Like, it's a big part of their offense. And Hooper blew up. I don't think Hooper is, and this is something that we talked about when Hooper signed the biggest contract, the biggest tight end contract in the NFL. Like, I don't think he's a guy... He's not like a Gronk where he's a mismatch creator. He's a guy that will just dominate matchups and things like that. He's just a good player in a good system. And I think that's exactly what Hayden Hurst is going to be in Atlanta. So I'm bullish on Hayden Hurst. I think he's going to be, you know, one of these very, very interesting fantasy players to watch. You, you could probably get him really late just because I think people yeah, are have gonna, him at 18 right now. So he's got that sneaky uh, upside to end up in the tight end one group, I think. Totally agree. And then the last guy who, I mean, you, you can't deny it. He had a good offseason because le- he was projected to score zero fantasy points, but now <laughs> Rob Gronkowski is going to score some fantasy points. I love this. I absolutely love this. Um, first of all, do you think, is is he is he going to be able to get back to be the size that he was when he was playing? Like, I, like, have we seen any pictures of him lately? I haven't seen a picture of him. I, I remember I walked by him at the Super Bowl and he was pretty thin. Yeah. So he's got he's got some work to do to gain to be like playing at two seventy five or whatever he was playing. With. Oh my god, he he looked like he was two twenty five. Yeah. So, um, regardless, I, I do think like again going back to this whole coronavirus thing, like you have that instant chemistry. You they know each other. They it's like if you need someone to get you a first down, split him out, make him the ISO, 
and he'll, he'll run his route. Brady's just going to throw it up to him. And in the, there's going to be that absolute trust. I really, really hope Gronk can stay healthy because, you know, he's just a fun player to watch. I think he lands in a really good situation. There are those questions that we had all of last year. Does the Bruce Arians offense utilize tight ends? I doubt they would have made this. I doubt they would have <laughs> gone and make this trade and bring Gronk out of retirement if they're not yeah. going to use him. Mm-hmm. But I guess that is the fear. I, I do think Gronk's got tight, the, uh, the upside again to be in the tight end one group, though. Yeah, they have him listed as 11, which like is a little high. Come on. like <laughs> You're not buying it? I don't know. I mean, probably not yet. Like, can we at least see like him at practice, like what he looks like before we just pencil him in as a starter <laughs> on your fantasy team? He's turning thirty-one. He's a, he's a champion. He's a he's a WWE champion, Craig. Not anymore. He had to take the belt away, right? Oh darn. Well, if you retire, but yeah, we'll see what happens with old Gronk. Somebody in your fantasy draft is going to be that jerk who like spends way too much money on him or takes him way too early. So it you're might not going to get him unless you're really well. <laughs> it might be DK if he's in your draft. <laughs> I'm not lying. It might be me. I, I'm kind of like excited about this, but um, that might be a little bit irrational at this point. That's what it's all about in May. Yeah. Well, hey, DK, this was great. This was fun. Shouts to Heifetz. I hope he's really enjoying his time off. He has been doing an incredible amount of work with the NFL draft, with the fantasy podcast, the fantasy podcast, and, and Westworld. Westworld, which has consumed his life. Yeah, just if you have any questions about anything involving Westworld, just text Danny Heifetz. Just DM him. <laughs> should, like, we give hey, him I, should we give out his phone number? <laughs> yeah, I'll tweet it out. Okay. The man works very hard, so we're excited to have him back. And DK, you will be on vacation next week, right? I will, yes. I'll be taking a little bit of time off. So are you and Danny going to do the pod? We are. All right. It's going to be insane. Who knows what's going to happen? So I don't, uh, I'm, you know, obviously Danny is normally kind of like the quote host of the show. So I am (laughs) not well practiced at that, but yeah. So thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out uh, on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts and check out the ringer (laughs) NFL show. Check out Danny with the uh, Westworld podcast. Is that still, is that done or what? It's done. Okay, so well, go back and rewatch it if you're going to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relist oh, and rewatch. Craig, it, Craig is the producer of the rewatchables, so go let's go check that <laughs> we're out. Just, we're going to do the whole gamut, yeah. Um, Flying Coach. Flying Coach with Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr, which is awesome. Yeah, we just had Dave Roberts, manager of the Dodgers on. Check that out. What else can I plug? Should I, should I just plug everything on the ringer.com? Yeah, why don't we pull up ringer.com? We'll go through every article. Yeah. People are doing. <laughs> um, pull it up. Check out all the fun stuff we're doing. You nailed that, DK. Thank you, thank you. This was fun, man. All right, see you guys next time. 